This is the Mini Market Podcast. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. It is your boy, Zayer Mon. I am joined by two others, those being Dalton Matson and Lucas Hansen for this, the 53rd episode of the Mini Market Podcast. That's right, 53rd episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Fellas, how are we feeling today? Feeling great. Happy to be here. Happy to be alive. Great time to be a Minnesota sports fan. Yeah, Dalt's right. Great time. Great time to be alive for the Minnesota sports. A great time indeed. Let's run through why it's so good. First of all, we have the red hot Minnesota Wild out of St. Paul. They are 9-0-1 in their last 10 games. This puts them at third in the Western Conference. They got 59 points on the season. They've been electric. They're in the all-star break right now. Don't look now, but out of Minneapolis, the Timberwolves are 7-3 and three in their last 10. This puts them one game back of Denver and the sixth seed in the West, and only two and a half back of the Dallas Mavericks and the fifth seed in the West. Pup's trying to avoid that play-in tournament. Who'd have thought? Continuing the run of good things, we've got a new head coach potentially for the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, the LA Rams. Yes, those LA Rams, Super Bowl contending LA Rams, their offensive coordinator. And the Twins made a big splash in free agency this week with a signing of Tim Beckham to a one-year minor league deal. We'll start there, Dalton. What do you think about the new signing from the Minnesota Twins for the season they might not even get to play? Big splash. It's kind of like your little three-year-old cousin does a cannonball in the shallow end of the pool. It's about that size of a splash right there. Beckham, so right up the Twins Alley. No? Right up the Twins Alley. I mean, he's they signed Waves, him for baby. a million dollars. He's a minor league signing because if you're not on the 40-man roster, the team can work with you until the lockout's over. So keep him off the roster, work with them now. He's got a like couple million dollar bonus if he makes the team coming out of spring training. He's kind of like a glorified Adrianza. He's probably going to be a utility man. He's not really great at anything, but he's passable. Can play shortstop, can play second, maybe a little third. Hopefully we don't see a lot of Tim Beckham this year, but with injuries or whatever might come up, I'm sure he'll get a couple hundred at-bats, maybe 150 this year. Uh, I mean, if he can put together, what, three, maybe four 12-pitch at-bats, uh, if he runs hard, he's a fan favorite shoe-in, right? Oh, absolutely. And there are some clips of him circling the internet of him pimping a couple walk-off bombs. So Ooh. don't look now, but Tim nice. Beckham might nice. be your new Minnesota Twins fan favorite. We, we've really been needing a guy like that ever since Punto left. I mean, there's just really, there's been a few contenders, but no one's really stepped up into that, that Punto role. You know? Maybe Tortuga, right? Oh, definitely fan favorite. But I'm still, do you see him, by the way? A couple months <laughs> he ago, was in he the Dominican punched. League, I think. No, no, no. No, he, he was back in a positive headline this time. Shaking that, shaking what his mama gave him. Oh well, yeah, when he got when he he got a single and then he was like twerking on first base in some summer Caribbean league or winter Caribbean league. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did see that. We'll call Funny it gyrating. <laughs> he was moving the midsection and he was moving it well. Uh, yeah. Any news for us, Dalt, on the MLB and the lockout situation? No, I mean we don't need to get into this too much. It's ugly. I'm starting to worry that actual games are going to be missed because players aren't going to 
let spring training be shortened too much because we saw in 2020 pitchers in the second half of the season were complaining that spring training was too short after the COVID shutdown and then they were having arm problems. So they're going to need a maybe five week spring training one way or another, and they can't push the season back too far because it'll run into November. I think we might be looking at maybe 120 to 140 game season, unfortunately. Wow. A lot of bargaining left on the table. So I don't think we're close to a deal yet. We'll see. I think the consensus on this is that this is the league with the lowest level of self-awareness um, in a time when they are struggling to have a fan base, especially with a younger audience. Um, this is not the time to be going into a lockout to have billionaires arguing with millionaires. Nobody wants to see this. This is bad optics for the league at probably the worst time. So I don't know. This will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, if you go to another lockout year, do we have to start pumping guys with steroids again in 2023 to kind of bring the league back? Who knows? But could be their only hope if we bring Barry back, Barry Bonds. Bring Mark Barry McGuire, Sammy back. Sosa. I would watch Sammy Sosa hit again. If you juiced him up, I'd watch him. So that's just my two cents on it. Um, but yeah, baseball, figure it out. P- yeah, figure it out. Okay. We will we'll move on from there. We'll go to the red hot Minnesota Wild. Um, this team has been, I think, exceeding expectations all year long. Um, they had that little bit of a down stretch where they they struggled after like going into the winter classic. They had a, a bit of a bad stretch there, but they've really turned it around since nine and one, like we talked about. They're getting scoring from everywhere. Lucas, how are you feeling about the wild right now? You know, it's it's kind of sad we don't talk more about them, honestly. Like, Connor does a good job usually of the recap, so it's tough when he's not here. But, I mean, they're just, like, flying under the radar of being so good. And, like... Uh, we'll just say the results speak for themselves. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> right? Results speak for themselves. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a topic I'd like to talk about when it comes to the Minnesota Wild. I think something that's been beneficial for them is their slight improvement on the power play. In the 2021 season, they finished with a 17.6 power play percentage. That ranked them 24th in the league. That's bottom third. It was not good. It was not good all year long. Everybody kind of knew that was a big struggle. Um, They were really good on the kill last year, but if you can't score on the power play, it's kind of tough. This year, they've marginally improved to 19.4. But that puts, brings Hey-o. them all the way up to 17th um, in the league, which doesn't feel like a lot, but I think it's pretty impactful, and we've seen that so far. Um, for me, I think it's also been trending positively lately, too. They've been really solid lately. So I don't think this number necessarily tells the whole story. Um, and I think there's a guy we can look at and say, he's been a pretty impactful piece of the wild power play improving, and that's the young Matt Boldy. New guy. New guy. He came in and he got put on the number one power play unit right away. Um, Jumped onto that first power play line and he has been productive. Overall, he's got 10 points in 10 games, six goals, four assists, and three of those 10 points have come on the power play. So he's been a very good catalyst for the Minnesota Wild in terms of their power play production. Um, And it's just another sign of Dean Evanson knowing when to pull the right strings. I think he's done that all the way back to last year when he was the guy who was, he's like, I'm going to do what's best for the team. And if that means we're sitting uh, Zach Parise 
We're sitting Zach Parise. It might not even have to do anything with the lunch line beef. He might have just figured out it was better for the team. Um, and I think he's done that all around with uh, moving lines. He had Kaprasov. He moved him down a couple times. He's just he's done a really good job of honing in on the on the Minnesota Wild lines. So, and that's what a good coach is. And it's like that's yeah. You always hear it like no one's safe, no one's job is safe, everyone's even. Like if we're gonna do whatever it takes to win, so I like Dean Everson. He knows what he's doing, and you love to see Boldy take advantage of an opportunity. He gets called up because there are some injuries, there's some sickness, and then he performs right away. All reports are saying, you know, he plays like a veteran. He he's poised out there. He's confident. He knows what's going on. He's not necessarily the most skilled player on the ice but he's very confident and he knows how to use the skills that he does have to produce. Oh yeah. Go wild. This is the state of hockey. Got anything on Ryan Hartman this week? Still upset. He didn't make the all-star game. Damn shame. It is. We are in the all-star game and it is a absolute shame that my guy, Ryan Hartman did not make it this year. We all know he's been electric. Um, I think he's on one of, as it seems right now, probably one of the best deals in uh, all of hockey. Uh, We've got him for cheap and he is producing. He's got 33 points on the season in 23 games. Excuse me, 33 points in uh, 41 games. He's got 18 goals, 15 assists. He's a plus 32. He's just everywhere. He's absolutely everywhere. Um, I always like that guy. So it seems like there are a lot of parallels between Hartman and another guy we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Jared Vanderbilt, both Ooh. on very reasonable deals, both guys who you didn't necessarily expect to make huge contributions coming into the year, but have been vital to the success of both teams. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. hey, maybe a trend, this new guy for the twins, maybe just a mill. If Tim cool Beckham mill. is doing anything consistent for the twins this season, that's a problem. Things have gone south. I, th- I think for Hartman too, it's, it's similar for Vanderbilt where it's like, you just get into a good situation too, where like Vanderbilt is not expected to score for the Timberwolves. He is not expected to really shoot. He's found his lane. Same thing with Hartman where like, we weren't expecting a ton of points from him. We just kind of wanted him to go out there and grind on that, on that line with uh, Zuccarello and Kaprasov. But then, you know, when you end up on a line with Zuccarello and Kaprasov and you can put a couple pucks in the net, it's going to go well. Cause those two are both great passers. And I think the same thing can be said for Vanderbilt, where it's like, we just want him to go out there and play really good defense, rebound. But now he's found that, you know, if I if I cut to the basket off ball, baseline, or behind the play, Towns is going to find me, or Delo's going to find me, or the defense is going to be sleeping because they're worried about Anthony Edwards driving. Um, so I think it's like, they've both been really productive because they've done more than we've asked. And I think that's been pretty cool to watch them kind of develop and grow outside of this small role that we had expected for them. Um, that seems like a good transition, Dalt. Should we head on over to the land of the Timberwolves, the Pine Tree City? Um, been an interesting point in the season so far. They've been playing well. Like we said, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They are in this playoff hunt, right in the thick of things. Um, and only... It's February 6th as we record this podcast, so about four days until the trade deadline. I think all around the NBA, that's been the topic of conversation. Timberwolves especially seem like they are unexpected buyers, I think, this season. Um, Their over-under was 33 and a half games, one on the season, so 
things are looking good there and they're exceeding expectations. And all of a sudden, our buyers, we've been talked about with Ben Simmons for a long time. Uh, but the new one to emerge is Marcus Smart. Thoughts on Marcus Smart, Dalton? To me, he seems a little bit redundant in what the Wolves already have in Patrick Beverly. He's sort of a guy who can play point guard or shooting guard, very defensive-minded, kind of a, a bulldog out there. Able to shoot it a little bit, more of a volume shooter than a high-percentage shooter, but he's going to let it fly one way or another. I think Smart's like a 32% three-point shooter on four or five attempts a game over his career, so not necessarily a guy you want taking a ton of shots, but is going to get shots when he's on on the court. To me, I'm a little worried about his contract. He's in the last year of a contract he signed four years ago, but he already agreed to an extension that's going to run four more seasons that will see the team that has him, hopefully the Celtics rather than the Wolves, paying him over $20 million in the 2025-26 season. So that's four more seasons. He'll be 31 at that point. I'm just worried this is a little bit short-sighted on the Wolves' part. You know, at that point, they're going to need to be paying Anthony Edwards big money. They're going to have to extend either Cat or Dela or maybe both at that point. So I worry that they'll be hamstrung by this Marcus Smart contract down the line where they'll have to maybe let Cat or Dela go. Or, you know, it could create other sort of salary cap issues where they'll be hamstrung and not be able to sign some of the rotation pieces that you'd need to actually be successful. Yeah, some interesting takes there, especially on the financial part of it. I, For me, the thing that stood out is the 31.9% from three on 4.7 attempts. It just feels like he is going to be coming in and he's going to be playing a Malik Beasley type role and he's shooting worse than Beasley. And the way that Beasley shoots is like, this feels ghastly. So you're going to get worse than that. I know he gives a lot more. He can create uh, off the dribble a lot more. He obviously provides a lot more defensively uh, and in terms of playmaking, but he also feels like a guy who's hurt all the time to me too. Like it's it's something about that bulldog kind of guy. He's only played more than seventy games in two of his seasons. Um, he's he's played in the forties a couple times. He also has been very vocal about feeling like he doesn't get enough shots on a Celtics team with two really good uh, scorers and sometimes three. So is he going to be have the same issues when he comes here and he's the fourth option again? Like, is he going to be mad about not getting enough shots or not having the ball behind Towns, Edwards, and Russell? I don't know. And it, and, and, and it also feels like he's been a key member of an underperforming Celtics team for a long time. Like, early on, it was like, oh, they're doing more than we thought. And then they kind of hit this plateau and they really fell off the map. Um, and he's been a key member of that team that entire time. So are we really upgrading is the question. Like, does this really help us? And then especially when you talk about the money piece, I don't know. I'm I'm not as into this, especially if it costs Beasley in a first. It just seems like we're overpaying for that. Yeah, and Pat Bev's a free agent after this season, and all signs point to them wanting to bring him back. And I just wonder, do you really need both of them? Then you have two guys who both kind of play the same position. Both are going to want minutes. They're on the wrong side of 30. I guess Smart's not yet, but he will be when the Wolves are still paying him if he joins. So I, th I think I don't love the deal. I think there are better options out there. Even just staying pat and saying, you know, Beasley's been shooting better lately. Let's just see where this rides. I would probably prefer that. Yeah, I think staying pat seems to be the trend for a lot of Wolves fans right now is that 
no move might be better than any move they could make uh, just because it feels like guys are developing. Torian Prince is starting to find his stroke. He's finding his comfort in his role. Beasley might be turning a corner. McDaniels is showing to be, he's showing the offensive improvement that we'd hoped in these last stretch of games. He's creating a little bit more off the dribble. He's been more aggressive. Um, so yeah, I think in general, doing nothing feels like the right move in a weird way for the Timberwolves because we're still in the seventh seed. Like, it's been way better than expected, but we're still, we still have to make some moves eventually to get up to that next threshold of the NBA. So it seems counterintuitive to say, let's not do anything and just keep doing what we're doing and fight for that middle seed versus trying to make a move to get up into that upper echelon. But I don't know if that move is available to them right now. Yeah, a lot of the moves seem more short-sighted where the Wolves' window is probably in, you know, maybe next season through the 2024-5 season. They have have a nice peak there. So to to make a move for a guy to try to move up to maybe the fourth or fifth seed this year, it feels like you're you're sort of uh, shifting the window in, in a way that doesn't benefit the franchise long-term. And like you, you mentioned Torian Prince. I mean, if you said that the Wolves traded for a guy who's going to shoot 40% from three, six, nine power forward. Like, great. That's the perfect person we need. Well, that's what Torian Prince is doing. And he's on an expiring deal. So you can ride the hot hand for as long as it takes you. And then you're going to clear up $14 million after this year. Maybe you bring him back for seven, 8 million. Maybe you move on and try to sign a sixth man for 20 million with Torian Prince and Jake Lehman coming off the books, guys like that. I'm okay with the Wolves standing path. You which are, I did not think I would yeah, say four yeah. or five weeks ago because I am I was totally saying we need to make moves. But now, hey, let's just ride it out. This will be a great season where guys can get the experience during the playoff run. They can hopefully get a full series. And if they can avoid this play-in tournament, that'd be awesome. Get get more reps in the playoffs, which are very important reps for a young team, and then build going into next year. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to be howling in the Target Center for a playoff series. Ooh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I might not go because the last time I went, they got they gave up 50 in the third quarter to the Rockets. But Ooh. that's in the past. Different team, different time. Um, I was going to say, off that real quick, I don't know if I can go. I would really like to, but I'm pretty sure the Wolves have lost just about every time I've gone to a game in person. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a coincidence of just bad teams over over every time I've gone yeah. or yeah, I don't know. I think, I think you can give yourself a little slack and just look at their overall record in the time that you were going to games <laughs> and it'd be, you throw a dart at the board more often than not, you're hitting a loss. So don't, don't beat yourself up, Lou. I think we'd all love to have you in attendance, Howlin'. Oh! Um, Torian Prince, one last thing. It's like, he wasn't as bad as he was at the beginning of the season and he's not as good as he's been the last five, 10 games of the season. Yeah. So he's, he's somewhere 60% in between in his last 12 games. From yeah. Three. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing. We love it. We're not going to complain. It's almost like, do you trade him just because it's like, if somebody's like, yeah, this dude's hot as heck, let's try to get a run from him. But I think you're right. You just ride the hot hand and see, see how long it lasts and see how long he can go. All right. We have uh, Anthony Edwards continuing to make Beautiful headlines at the podium. He does it. He's a highlight reel on the court and a highlight reel off the court. Dalton, what did he have to say this week? Anthony Edwards likes McDonald's, baby. He put the whole presser on hold because he had to get his McDonald's order in. That that's a great sound clip. If you haven't haven't heard that, look it up. He's letting everyone know. Oh, I've got to get my McDonald's order in. Wait, wait, no questions yet. No questions. Got to add a McDouble. Got to add a McChicken. Too funny. 
And then he just hits it with, I love Minnesota. I hope you all love me too. Just he knows what to do. He knows what to say. He's got those reporters absolutely eating out of his palm. You can hear when they ask questions. They just love the dude. And how could you not? But it is very interesting to hear how bought in all of the beat writers for the Timberwolves are on all aboard the team and Anthony Edwards. And I think he's a big part of it just because he's just a shining personality. Okay, we will move quickly to the Minnesota Vikings. We have a new head coach. Potentially, his name is Jim Hart. Wait, let me check my notes. I thought that one was a done deal. Apparently, it's not. It will not be Jim Harbaugh, head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. It is going to be Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, um, Lucas, how do you feel about this signing? Um, I feel pretty good, actually. Um, I was never really sold on Harbaugh, but I just I didn't quite feel it right. And I think O'Connell is the guy that fits the mold that we've kind of been talking about. He's a younger guy. He's very offensively minded. Um, he's had great success with the Rams. I know great success. <laughs> he's he's. I think the one big thing that. I was wondering about was, you know, he doesn't call the plays, right? Sean McVay is the big mastermind allegedly in, in um, LA, but I did some reading on O'Connell and it sounds like he's the guy, even though he doesn't call the plays, he's the guy who really implements the offense. He designs the plays. He works specifically with the players during practice to implement the offense and he teaches them what to do and kind of shows them what they need to do. And then McVeigh is the one who actually just calls the plays during the game. Um, so that's, that made me feel a little better. And then um, another guy, uh, Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach came off of the McVeigh tree um, Bengals now in the Super Bowl, So he's doing pretty good. And apparently um, Zach Taylor never called plays before he was in Cincy either. So it's working out pretty well, little different circumstances. I know Joe Burrow is pretty sick. Oh, but, um, it, I'm I'm excited for it. I think he, he like I said, he fits the mold. Uh, Justin Jefferson came out said he's very excited about it. So if he's happy, I'm happy. Like that. Uh, and another big thing, first offensive-minded head coach we've had since the one and only great Brad Childress was fired in 2010. So it's been a lot. I didn't realize it's been that long since we've had an offensive guy at the helm. But the secret squirrel. Yeah, he is Ned <laughs> Flanders. I will give him credit. I think he was the person that brought in the like uh, Denny's menu play calling sheet. Uh, I think everybody made fun of him a lot when he was doing that. But look around the league. A lot of coaches are using the Denny's menu right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brad Childers, innovator. I'm glad you brought up Joe Burrow. Is he not the antithesis of Kirk Cousins? Like just in everything that they are, he is the exact opposite person in just, if you don't, if you don't like Kirk Cousins, you love Joe Burrow. And if you love Kirk Cousins, you secretly also love Joe Burrow because you wish Kirk was Joe Burrow. Because when you talk about with the conversation with Kirk Cousins always comes back to, well, the things around him aren't good enough. Like he's just, the situation isn't good enough. The offensive line isn't good enough. The defense isn't good enough. Joe Burrow's like, I don't give a rat's ass who's around me. I don't care that I'm getting sacked 63 times in a season, 50 times in the regular season. Most 
first quarterback with 50 or more sacks in the regular season to go to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow. Nine sacks in that AFC divisional round. He just yeah. like he refuses to lose. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Their defense is not that good. Um, he's just willed that team. And it's like, this is that that's what you look at when you're like, Kirk Cousins need to he needs to step up and make his team better. Joe Burrow does that. Kirk Cousins doesn't. So that's just my Kirk Cousins take of the week. Wow. Something else to tie Kirk to O'Connell. A lot of people have reported O'Connell was Kirk's QB coach in 2017 with Washington. So I think something to keep an eye on, if Kirk stays on roster for this season, I think there might be sort of a long-term play where Kirk is going to be our quarterback for a while going forward because O'Connell knows Kirk. He yeah. knows, can can I win with this guy? And I think if he, if he doesn't think he can win with Kirk, I feel like Kirk's going to be gone by season's week one. But if he's here, O'Connell might be like, I can win with this guy. Let's try to maybe restructure his deal, push some money into the future, but keep him around for a couple more years. Keep an eye on old Kirky. Wow, I like that prediction. So do you let's just make that official. What's the prediction, Dalton? <laughs> if Kirk is your week one starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, he's going to be on the Minnesota Vikings roster for at least our guy? three more seasons. Our guy? Three I seasons. think so. All right. I think so. There you have it, folks. There you have Speaking. it. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, replaced Aaron Rodgers in the Pro Bowl, by the way. Dalt, possible Pro Bowl MVP for old Kirky. Would that switch? Would that sway you? Yeah, what would a Kirk take, guy? <laughs> I mean, that's the highest honor there is. If there's anything that's going to swing me, it would be a Pro Bowl MVP. So we'll wait and see. Uh, we will wait and see. That uh, result will come out later today. Hopefully it's him. Uh, little, just another trophy for the Minnesota Vikings trophy, ca- trophy case. I tweeted this out, though. With Kirk making the Pro Bowl, does that solidify him as the best Vikings quarterback since Teddy Bridgewater? Pro Bowler <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Think about it. Don't have to answer. Just think about it. Uh, yeah, we'll have uh, fans report back. Let us know what you think uh, in the week to come. That's, a pon- that's one to ponder. Maybe journal about it. Really get your thoughts out and your feelings on that one. Uh, All right, we will move away from the land of Minnesota sports and into something a little less Minnesota sports related. It's a big event happening. Uh, It's about two weeks long. Happens every couple of years. This year, it's in Beijing, China. It's the Winter Olympics, folks. That's right, the Winter Olympics. So how how is this connected to Minnesota sports? I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's a, a direct correlation but I think we found something that might be a little bit interesting. In the opening ceremony, the United States of America's flag was carried by Minnesotan John Schuster of the curling team. Woo. John Schuster, one of 45 Winter Olympians with Minnesota ties. Wow. 45 of them. So if you, don't think, yeah, if you don't think the Winter Olympics are Minnesotan, you're crazy. Chris, so we're going to start here with a fun little podium, Winter Olympics podium. That's right. This week, the three of us will be ranking our gold, silver, and bronze Winter Olympic events. We'll go in reverse order. So we'll go bronze, silver, gold, and then maybe we'll talk about it. We'll start with you, Lou. What are your, what's your podium of Winter Olympic events? Yeah, so... Um... Bronze is, uh, I'm going to go with the semi-new event um, of Snowboard Cross. 
but one where they race down the yeah. hill and they go over jumps and stuff. It is innovative. It's very intriguing to watch. It is not a whole lot like any other Olympic winter Olympic sport. I don't think certainly not like any other of the snowboard events because it's a race, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's innovative. I really like it. It's fun to watch. It's a great one. You always get some good wipeouts too. Yeah. And they go flying over those tracks. Like they are, there's big air in that still. So that's a really fun one. It's a great daytime one too. It's mm. always on in the daytime. Yep. Gotta love the, the fillers. Um, for the silver, uh, I am actually, I switched this up last Whoa. minute here. Whoa. I'm going with the biathlon, the, the cross country skiing and shooting. I, caught it yesterday and i was hooked i was locked in from start to finish i i really enjoyed the um it was a mixed relay so they did two females and two males um just really good stuff with people missing shots have to go take the penalty lap oh it's great television it is great television it would be brutal to watch in person oh but great tv yeah. Can you imagine sitting in the stands like 200 yards away? You can't even see the dartboard that they're shooting. At. <laughs> like, you're like, I, did he hit it? I don't did know. He hit it? Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to be able to, to like calm your body down enough to shoot a gun at a tiny target in the cold, that's super, super impressive. Very yeah, they fun. They shoot Very between fun. heartbeats, right? Don't they train themselves so. to they shoot try between to, yeah. nuts? And like yesterday, they said it was your, they're shooting 60 yards away at, basically the size of a coffee mug like that's the circumference that they have to hit <laughs> so pretty with like a bb or a pellet or whatever the heck they shoot so i think they're impressive athletes both way and fun to watch and it was funny yesterday they it was pretty cold so they wore these little like stickers on their face that looked like little chicken cutlets or something it was pretty funny <laughs> but um, chicken cutlets all right, Lou, your gold medal. Or do you My, guys want to say, should we save the gold for the final round? We'll have Dalton, you go bronze and silver. Okay. Yeah. So my bronze, I'm giving it to curling. Nice. I think it's a, it's a unique sport. It's the everyman sport. You know, you, you look at the athletes out there. They're not chiseled. They're not massive. They're not sensational athletes. Average but shows. the precision of their craft, <laughs> the precision is unbelievable. So love that. It's a great watch. Number two, I've got the luge, the one-man luge. It's intense. The speeds they're going at, insane, insane. And I think it's a great viewing experience because they've got sort of the intervals. You know, are they going faster or slower than they need to go? It's intense. You don't know, are they going to maybe mess up on the curve? Are they going to go wild? I love it. I love it. It gets the blood rushing. Mm -hmm. Personally, I love it when they just, they have the little finger spikes in there. They're like scratching away at the top right after yes. the start. That's just funny to me. The start is the best part of all those races. So Dalton, how'd you decide between luge and skeleton? I think they go a little faster in the luge. And I, I like the added speed, but it was sort of a coin toss. You know, they're, they're, they're similar enough where you, you throw one or the other on. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to tell you to switch between. The skeleton is just terrifying to me. <laughs> They're doing, I mean, the luge is terrifying, but like imagine going face first. It's just. I don't want to go face first down a water slide, much less one of those tracks. <laughs> going 85 miles an hour sometimes. I love watching them try to keep their little feet tight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of wiggling <laughs> as they go down. That always cracks me up. Oh, that's a goodie. That's a goodie. Okay. 
Um, I will go. I'll go with my bronze. I'm going to go with Alpine. Alpine skiing. Um, Lindsey Vaughn. Uh, I just think that slalom. is. Is that what it's called? The one where they just rip down and they got to go all the way across all the I like. Think, yeah. yeah, that is insanely intense because they they're going, going fast. Yeah, 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 they're going super fast. And I'm like, I don't know how they keep their body under control enough. And they're like barely even touching the snow sometimes. And I love that low shot where they go when they're going to go over like a little bit of a jump and they cut to that camera that's below yeah. them on the hill. And they go whoosh, and they come flying over. That's always great television. Um, there's a good amount of suspense at the top of the hill. And uh, the occasional devastating injury keeps it interesting for everybody. Um, I'll go with silver is much like Lucas, the new one. I love that snowboard cross, whatever it's called. It's, it is a fun one. It's just like they were like, let's just do something fun. And they came yeah. up with this and it's great. Um, it's good television. Like I said, it's nice in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. It, there, there's always drama intrigue because somebody bumps somebody at some point and the announcer's like, oh, 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 he bumped yeah, him. Rubin's racing. Yeah, Rubin's racing. It's, it's one of the it. few events here where there are multiple competitors going at the same time. It's not taking turns, and that's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. That makes it a lot of fun. Um, okay, well, let's go back around. We'll have uh, Lucas give us your gold medal. Gold medal taking the top of the podium. Uh, I'm going with the bobsled and oh. in particular the four person bobsled because I love watching them all just pile in up at the top. <laughs> they get all pumped up. They're all slapping hands, slapping backs, getting ready to take off, running on ice to start. First of all, that's crazy. And then, yep, they just all of a sudden you get these, especially the men. These are basically they're like, oh, this guy used to be a linebacker in college and these guys are just massive and then they all just hop right in and then they tuck the tuck the little things down and Their you heads see the one guy's head yeah just just up there uh so gotta go bobsled for me it's just pure entertainment yeah bobsled's a big beef in the back sport too and there, and again, with the drama of that one there's always like some one of the groups will like accidentally keep their little like sled the little pusher thing yeah. open and they'll be like, Oh my God, the pusher thing is open. They're going down. It's open. And then it's somebody will like figure it out and like close it. I'm like, yeah, they closed, they it. Little, they closed it. They closed it. A little latch. Yeah. And it's a big, like if you're into F1, I feel like bobsled's the closest you get in the Olympic sports to F1. Cause I'm pretty sure the like sleds are made by like elite racing companies like Mercedes and like Audi, I think make the sleds. So that's pretty it's, cool. They're too. just going to start putting little hood ornaments on them. <laughs> Ding. that's a great gold medal uh dalton what do you got for your top of the podium for me it's not even close it's figure skating i think figure Kaz skaters Michael are Michaels. the best athletes in the world i think their coordination their strength their balance the concentration it takes and on top of all that the elegance mm -hmm. the pageantry mm-hmm it's incredible. The jumping they're doing, the twisting, they're essentially doing gymnastics on a quarter-inch blade. It's amazing to me. And as a, as a viewer, it's so suspenseful because it's like, here comes the triple axle. Are they going to hit it? Are they going to just totally wipe out? It's great TV. 
It's yes. can't miss television for me. My my favorite part about that is like they'll nail or they'll hit the triple axle or whatever they're doing. And I'm like, wow, that was really impressive. And the announcer just like, oh, he's going to get docked for that one. I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. Totally. <laughs> <Doc comes> back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they slowed down. You can see here his arms aren't quite tucked enough. And I'm like, looks pretty damn good to me. But no, that's <laughs> the one where you're like, tuck your arms, you schlub. You're sitting on the couch. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great one, Dal. I actually had that in my honorable mention because as a kid, and Lucas, I think you'll you'll relate to this, is growing up, Sands Cable, the figure skating for the Winter Olympics is gymnastics to the Summer Olympics where yeah. it's all you see nonstop is figure skating and you get bored of it. And you're like, I want to watch a little bit of luge or I want to watch the Alpine ski or whatever. And it just keeps being figure skating. But Dalton, I agree with you as I've grown older, really, really come to respect everything that goes into that sport. It is nuts. Absolutely I mean, have nuts. you ever tried like, no, I know none of us are very good skaters to begin with, but like <laughs> just jumping like an inch on one in, foot in hockey skates or just any skates. It's like, it's, I'm like, how the hell do they do this? I know yeah. they have the toe pick, but <laughs> if I tried that, I think I'd break both my femurs. Couple ACLs in the books, you know, ankles gone. Yeah, no, that would be devastating. And I think I, for, I don't know who it is, but for some reason, the the announcer, the color commentary announcer, we always have to talk about a little color commentary in the Mini Market Podcast. I don't know his name, but I I'm like fifty five to eighty five percent certain that the color commentary for the uh, figure skating is the same guy that does swimming in the summer because equally Rowdy? electric yeah. Rowdy they, games. they just get so freaking pumped <laughs> about like everything that's going on out there and it just makes you buy in as a viewer so that's always uh, a ton of fun for sure okay i will i will round it out um i will keep in the skating theme this is one we haven't talked about and i'm actually really surprised nobody brought it up before but i'm going the short track speed skating mm. i think that is the coolest sport in the Olympics. And I might even include summer Olympics too. I think short track speed skating has everything you like. It has all the drama. It has, you know, a bunch of people right up next to each other, like defying gravity by, you know, going super fast and keeping their edges on those turns. Uh, they've got really cool suits, swag out the wazoo, um, quick they're quick hitters so you really can be like it's like the 50 swimmings where it's like this is really really fun because it's just going to be you know the length of a tiktok which i love um so yeah yeah definitely is, is great is names great. Apollo yeah. Ono. Mm-hmm. had it on mm-hmm. my had it on my honorable mention one of my all-time most memorable olympic events winter olympic events actually i remember it was i think maybe ono's last olympics and he was falling behind in the race. I think it was Japan had the whole podium. And then one guy tried something a little bit too dicey. All through takes all of them out. <laughs> they had the podium. They all three go down. Apollo Ono ends up getting the silver because of it. Boom. Boom. Wow. And it really shows how fast they're going when they do fall. Cause they go, Oh, they flying fly. into yeah. those things. It's, it's super fun. And I think if you were a kid, and you had any type of wood floors in your house, if you weren't putting on your fuzziest pair of socks and trying to speed skate around your dining room table, you just weren't doing the Olympics right. Because you had the hands 
Oh, the heads behind. Hands. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. also another Electric. underrated thing. I don't know what it is, but like I mentioned the finger pricklies for the, the luge. Their little, I always loved their little glove that they mm-hmm. they put down for mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. speed skating on the inside. The little yeah. metal gloves. It's super cool. It's like the, uh, when you watch those longboard videos, when they're ripping down Pacific Coast Highway 1 and they've got those little gloves on and it's the only thing keeping them safe just cool something about it it's like what are you doing down there it's great um okay uh does anybody want to go through we could i mean hockey i think this is a big hockey podcast obviously so we we decided to take that one out because we all would have picked it as our gold medalist uh you know herbie everything i got east side pride all that stuff uh go johnson um so we're just we're, we're not going to talk about hockey for this because it'd be far away the winner uh do we have any other honorable mentions? Anything anybody else wants to talk about? I have uh, I have a couple mentioned the speed skating. Um, another one, like you mentioned, is the giant slalom or the alpine, whatever it's called. Um, <clears throat> and then the last one I had, uh, ski jump. Mm-hmm. That was one of mine as well. Yeah, it's it's just wild how they they all look the same, and then they just crouch down, and you can see them, and they're about to hit the ground, and it looks like they're literally flying like sometimes mm-hmm. but I, I don't know how they don't touch the ground it's crazy yeah. also those skis are just they look like they weigh more than me individually they're they're massive two surfboards yeah yeah that's uh so sometimes with the winter olympics there's like this sort of very repetitive feel to it and i think that it, for me is why that one is an honorable mention because i can watch it like three times and then it's like yep the rest of it's all going to be exactly the same, but yeah. it is super cool for those three times. It's like, whoa, yeah. how are they like that last little bit where it's like, they should have already landed by now. It's very cool. Dalton, any uh, honorable mentions? You guys hit on my three. I think it was, so I was looking through the sports and it was interesting to find that the winter Olympics only has 15 individual sports. There are a lot of sort of variations of skiing and speed skating, things like that. But there's only actually 15 sports compared to the summer games, which has 56. So that, yeah. that was just like a wild revelation for me. So going through picking the top three, there were less choices than I, than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, one we didn't mention is the freestyle ski. I really liked I Did you mm. talk about that one, Lou? But that, I think that's really cool. Not, no. When they're doing the moguls and it feels like they're going to break their face <laughs> with their knees and then they do the little X Talk about you going from the biggest skis possible in the jump to the smallest skis possible and then in the freestyle. backwards half the yeah. time. That was oh. pretty cool. And those like, same with snowboarding, like the half pipe, it's always at night and it just has this big feel to it where mm. everybody's watching. Uh, it just seems like that's a big fanfare event. So with that, let's go into our second Winter Olympics question. If you could win a gold medal or any medal, get on the podium in one of these events, what would you choose? For me, it's not a sport that was on my podium, but it would be the bobsled because that's one where you're in a team event. And I think it would be so fun to be one of the four dudes in that beautiful machine cruising down that course, like just going fast as heck with your dudes winning a medal. I mean, that would be amazing. Would you be the driver or would you be one of the beefy guys in the back? I don't have the frame beef. of the beef boys, so I would be I'd be behind the wheel. Nice sweaty palms and all. Oh yeah. You got gloves for that. That's why that's why you got <laughs> gloves. Good choice, Dalt. I like it. I am going to go with um the 
alpine giant whatever skiing that we've we've been talking about um mainly because when i think of u.s winter olympic athletes Lindsay vaughn is the first one that comes to mind she just dominated for a long time and i don't particularly like going super fast when i when i downhill ski so you know overcome a little bit in my in my hypothetical here a little <laughs> bit of fear so um <laughs> yeah i think it would be really cool just like if you were actually really good and just felt comfortable going i don't know i'm just gonna say 100 miles an hour i don't know how fast they actually go but uh it's fast super fast super super fast uh yeah yeah those that one it feels like i'm with you that'd be cool it's like you're a i know you're an elite athlete with all of these but that one feels weirdly different because i'll be going nine miles an hour on skis and be like the g-force is track. too yeah. much for me <laughs> i cannot I'm handle that. that's what it's called it's called super g that's yeah. what it is my body is gonna just get ripped off like my innards are just gonna fly out the side of me because it's too fast um okay i'll finish us off on our winter talk and i will go with half pipe because mm. it's all about the benjamins baby i feel like if you win the half pipe that's your highest potential for sponsorship from a winter olympics athlete and i think sean white is probably the, the mm -hmm. highest grossing winter olympian uh in in uh u.s history so probably don't yeah. stat check me on that i don't care um but i think if you win in that you can get a sweet like a shoe deal um maybe air guaranteed red bull for life probably yep. yep you got your you could choose monster if you feel like it but yeah you should definitely go red bull um yeah no it just feels like and it's again it's everybody's watching it's something everybody thinks is really cool uh so you, you're like a legend forever and there's an X Games event every like two months, I swear. So a lot of medal opportunities <laughs> after the Olympics. Yep. A lot of potential there. Oh, yeah. All right. So moving from our favorite events, something that we think we could medal in, things that we like to always love to watch on TV. Uh, we'll flip this one on its head a little bit. What do we think are the best events to attend in person? And now... This is a group of people who have never gone to an Olympics, never gone to a Winter Olympics, so we don't know, but this is pure speculation. Dalton, you want to start us off on what do you think would be the best events to attend in person? Yes. Yeah, so I have a list here of events that are great TV. He's checking it twice. But bad in person. So these are ones I would not want to attend. Let me know what you think. The luge, the bobsled, the skeleton. I think if you were in person, you'd only see parts of the track. Guy would just fly and, by, and so, you'd have no idea um, are they going? Are they better or worse than like the leader? Because on TV, you know, they'll be a split second better or worse than what they need to medal, yeah, and so you're like, oh, come on, speed second. up, speed up. Yeah. In person, you'd have no idea. You'd just say that guy's going fast. I don't know. Genius. Yeah. Then trick-based sports like skiing, snowboarding. I don't know what's good or bad. You know, an extra half turn. What's really hard or not? I need. That's where the announcer comes in when they're going crazy and they're explaining it. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Wouldn't have known that otherwise. Otherwise, they all just look cool. Okay. Figure skating is some somewhat to that as well. And then also we talked about earlier the biathlon with the shooting would be horrible to watch in person. But I what yeah. were you gonna say? I was just gonna push back on the trick-based ones because I feel like even if you don't know if they're doing it perfectly, anything that they do, I'd be in awe of in person. So because I've seen like going down the bunny hill, a kid does like a little hop skip and a jump, and you're like, whoa, that was sick. Um, so imagine True. that on like 10 hundred times better uh, mm -hmm. i don't care if it's not perfect it's super cool to me but yeah, that I think was I, yeah. uh 
That was actually mine. I was going to say the freestyle ski slash the half pipe, just because I think seeing it in person would do it so much more justice of like how big these jumps are, how much air they're getting specifically when they do like the back flips off backwards off of the freaking freestyle ski is just, it's like I said, be in awe of that. Like I see a guy do a one eighty on, on the bunny hill. Yeah. And I'm like, that was sick. <laughs> So yeah, I got. I think I'd go freestyle skiing. I'm gonna stick on skiing. I'm gonna go with the cross country ski. I think it's a great event to watch in person. Um, I'm excited in a couple of weeks to go up north to the Hudson area to watch our very own Lucas Hansen participate in the Berkabiner cross country ski event, one of North America's greatest cross country skiing events. I think that is gonna be sick. It's gonna be an awesome event. So let's give some claps up for Lou. Hayward, not Hudson, by the way. But yeah, I, oh, yeah. Uh, Hayward. Thanks for the shout out. I was thinking, you know, maybe strap on BB gun on the back after watching the biathlon. If someone gets cuts me off or something, <laughs> nip at their ankles a little bit. I think that's probably frowned upon, but I'll have to double check the rules there. Let's just say there's a lot of space in the backwoods that nobody's looking. But also um, on the cross country ski races, big one for the bells. As a spectator, when you're on this on the side of the the track, big time bells, and then the stadium, the photo finishes are always always good in the Olympics or any race really. So, indeed, good choice. Thank you. So for me, the one I would want to attend, I have sort of three: ski jumping, like we talked about earlier, bad TV. I think it would be incredibly impressive in person because you would mm. see them just flying through there. Or on TV, it kind of it looks all the same. Speed skating, because you can see the whole track and seeing how fast they're actually going, I think in person, it'd be kind of like a NASCAR race where you're like, whoa, this is way faster than it looks on TV. And then the, the like the big air events on skis, snowboards, I think that would be sweet. I'd probably go skis, speed skating if I could only choose one, because I think the racing aspect is just, it would be awesome. It gets the blood pumping a little bit. Yeah, that is a, that's a great answer, I think. Great answer. Um, all right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Mini Market Pod. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, tell a friend when you're at work and you don't know what to do on a Zoom call. Talk about the Mini Market Podcast. Uh, Next time you're using a urinal, write the Mini Market Pod on mm -hmm. the wall above the urinal. Next guy there, he's yep. going to see it. Say, what's that? He's going to check us out. Yep. We are pro graffiti here at the Mini Market Podcast. Uh, Peer name in the snow, MMP, just put it all around town. Peace. Bye. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life. <laughs> <laughs>